Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spesh. Hello. What's up, Derek? What's happening? What's doing? What's it's been a busy uh, bit of a week going on here. Is it's, it? Uh, yeah, this summer thing. It's uh, it's, it's one of those things that's like, you want to do as much as you can for the summer, but like, it's like, I'm not getting anything done around the house. I'm not, it's... That's what winter's like, for. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Spend your summer out doing nice things with the family and enjoying yeah. the, the weather. Yeah. Because come winter, you'll be out enjoying the winter, <laughs> doing the tobogganing, the skiing, the skating, the sledding. I got out on a stand-up paddleboard on the weekend. Did you really? I did. We have to go with uh, the high paddles. Or? Yes, yes, yes. We got to do that. Mm-hmm. It was uh, the stand-up paddleboard had one of those Hobie drives on it, so I didn't actually paddle. I uh so I was a paddle bore. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's that's blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> I I honestly, if I were you, I wouldn't have even mentioned that. Maybe we should like press pause, edit rewind. That out. We'll uh, edit that out a little later. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, we're we uh, we spent the weekend at a friend's cottage, family friends, and uh it was it was an awesome weekend. Great weather. I um, did a four-day canoe trip with my daughter. Yes, I saw the postings. And it was great weather during the days. Yeah. And then the evening's not so great. Yeah. At night. Yeah. At night. Which is perfect. If you're if you're going out on a canoe trip, mm-hmm. if you have great weather all day and then it rains at night, yeah. that's perfect. Yeah. Rather than having great weather at night when you're sleeping. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're in the tent or whatever anyway, right? So... No, we, uh, I've done a, a canoe trip with everybody in the house now. Uh, my wife and I went on yep. a four-day trip, and my son and I went on a four-day trip. Now my daughter and I went on a four-day trip. And it's nice to get out because everybody does something different. So I've basically had three completely different <laughs> trips this yeah. year so far, right? Um, like I say, with my wife, it was more of a exploration, relax sort of, sort of trip. Yeah, and get her used to backcountry camping and canoe tripping and that sort of stuff. With my son, it was again, it was a relaxed thing, but a lot of fishing and, and okay. stuff like yeah. that, and uh, portaging and stuff. And with my daughter, it was an artsy fartsy weekend. Nice. She's into the painting and the drawing yes. and all that sort of stuff, and I do the photo stuff and all that. Uh, so yeah, so that's what we uh, did. Um, now we went to the north end of Algonquin. Okay. To Cedar Lake, which is an access lake. Yes. I typically don't like to do access lakes uh, just because they're so busy and all that. And Cedar's one that uh, motorboats are allowed. Yes. Which wasn't too bad. I mean, if, if you go there knowing, you know what, there you're, are you, boats. You're expecting it, so it's, yeah. yeah. Then then so be it. And we went there, but we, we had a bit more gear to take in as well. We brought her, she's got this easel, this box basically, and legs fold down An easel pops up and there's drawers that hold her paints and her brushes and all her drawing stuff and all that sort of stuff. So well, you don't want to portage that. Yeah, that gets a bit. Heavy. <laughs> um, so yeah, so, so yeah, pretty much. <laughs> And so, yeah, so we stayed on the, on the uh, access lake there and there's a big island on the, uh, east side of, of Cedar. We've been there before. It's probably been about 10 years since I've been on that site and it's, it was always a good site. It's a nice beach site okay. and, and all that nice, nice site. And we went there and it was 
disgusting. Hmm. I mean, we we took the site and all that, but there was garbage everywhere. Oh yeah. Uh, somebody had been eating chicken, and there was bones hmm. thrown all over the place. And I think people number one, it's an access lake, so everybody can get to it. Yeah. Number so two, could... it's an island. Yeah. So people aren't thinking there's oh bears not going to come out here. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. And uh, yeah, there's there's just there was ropes and nails and you know hair clips on the dirt and you know when you get a an orange juice container or a, or a milk thing and they got that little loop that you put your finger in and pops the, the seal. plastic seal yeah. yeah there was a couple of those on the ground and huh. just everywhere wow. the beach had garbage on it is there uh, one campsite on this island there typically realistically it's one site yeah but when you come off the water and you hit the beach the the main site's in front of you but if you go over to the the left, yep. um, there is a little path that goes to a spot where you can let, throw up a couple okay. tents, yep. right? Just extra tent space. But somebody's built a fire pit there. Huh. And a second fire pit. A second fire pit. And it's overflowing yeah. with ash and so stuff. So it's heavily used. So it's heavily used, yeah. The, the fire pit on the main site was all kicked in. Hmm. I guess because there's a fire ban, right? So they're not using it. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it was all destroyed absolutely destroyed wow. and at one point on the i guess it would have been the saturday um saturday yeah the rangers came by just checking permits and stuff okay. right and i told them you know what come up and take a peek at this site you guys need to do something it needs it needs a cleaning it needs mm-hmm. to be looked after by the, the rangers and that uh even the 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 thunderbox was getting pretty full oh okay and the guy goes up and he takes a peek while I'm talking to the guy and he's looking at Ariane because Ariane is at the beach at this point with her easel set up and she's doing the yeah. the stuff and that's when he's over checking out what she's doing and that. And the uh, other ranger comes back down and uh, the one watching Ariane looks and he goes, and he goes, oh yeah, it's bad. Hmm. So it, it, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's pretty bad when you see that sort of thing. But yeah, garbage and fire pit and all that sort of stuff, you know, just, it's sad. Hmm. But the... Uh, I think I've been on that site before. It's a nice site. It's, it's, as I recall, so this is Cedar Lake, right? Yeah. So I think that's the site that Mark, Mark on the Park. Oh, Mark Rubino, yeah. 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 His, he, I think he was telling me it's his dad's favorite site. That's the site they always used to go to. That's uh, that's the first person I was on that site with, Marcus. Okay. Marcus yep. was up there. I met him up there on a trip one year. And uh, yeah, that's where we stayed and we mm-hmm. did a bunch of fishing and, and exploring through the area but yeah that that's the exact site that's what yeah. it is okay um speaking of just as a sidetrack from this marcus is guiding this year yes with algonquin outfitters him. yeah you get tired of the oh, rat race and got tired of the rat race he's 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 if there's anybody that knows algonquin park yeah be mark it's marcus yeah yeah and uh yeah so he's doing that so that's that's good pretty cool good, he's, good to hear. you know he's He's talked about that for years, doing yeah. something like that, getting a job interior, doing something yep. with the park, right? So he's finally gone and done it. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. He got tired of the factory work and mm-hmm. uh, said, "You know what? Yeah, screw that, and I'm out of here." And I wonder what he's gonna do in the winter. Don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe lead winter trips. <laughs> yeah, maybe. you know, do the snow tri- <laughs> snowshoe yeah. trips and the winter camping and stuff. Right? Yeah, you never know. Hmm. Uh, anyway, so uh, we went up. Anyway, it was like a six-hour drive up. Saw a wild turkeys on the way and a peacock. Say what? <laughs> so we're driving up and uh, I'm just driving, doodly doodly, listening to some tunes and all that. Ariana's half snoozing. 
And I said, oh, look, there's a wild turkey. There's a couple of houses yeah. along the way. So I figured, like, you know, a little farmhouse sort of thing. So turkey's coming up the driveway, right? Yeah. And it, no, it was a peacock. So it's like a pet or something. Uh, that's what I'm figuring. Because I, last I checked in the Wildlife of Ontario yeah. <laughs> book, <laughs> peacocks weren't in there. <laughs> Unless it's the last one of the endangered yeah, Ontario exactly. peacock. Right. <laughs> Uh, so that was pretty cool to see. But yeah, wild turkeys we saw. We saw frogs and chipmunks and red yeah. squirrels and nothing big. Cool. You know, loons and that sort of stuff. Uh, but yeah, we did some swimming in the beach. Um, went and checked out some big rapids that go down the... There's a bunch of rapids and portages that go down into Radiant Lake yes. from Cedars. So yeah. I checked those out. And then there's the big waterfalls on the uh, the Petawawa and the Nip there. Uh, we checked those out. We walked the portage. Okay. On the one portage near the uh, top of the waterfalls, uh, there's a, a cross. There's an old cross. Oh. A Corbeil, 1980, sorry, 1888. 1888. So he, it's like logging drive and stuff. He died, yeah. He died on, the, the history says that he, he died on the one of the logging runs. Hmm. Um, oh, is there a sign there for it or is it just? No, through the to read open it. books. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I read it in the books and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, but yeah, he, he, he died, uh, in an accident on one of the log drives yeah. and they buried him there and, hmm. um, just leave it. There's now going down to radiant. Okay. Uh, it's going down to radiant or on radiant. I can't remember, but, uh, there's another one, Emile Huard. Now you find oh. out about him at the Algonquin park logging museum. Yeah. But same deal. Yeah. He was like, uh, I think like 20 years old or something like that and mm -hmm. got killed on the log drives. Uh, so there's uh, the sites there that for that sort of stuff. So it was a nice little history thing. And, yeah, you yeah, kind of neat. And then we went and sat at the top of the waterfall. I mean, a lot of water coming down. It's it a yeah. massive falls. You can hear the roar at nights when it's nice and quiet. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, we were that we were that close yeah. to it. So it's pretty cool. Did some fishing and stuff like that around there. Didn't really catch anything. And uh, um, did some photography. Ariana did her painting and drawing and stuff. We did a bunch of exploring. And then, yeah, the, the two nights we had massive thunderstorms. Oh, okay. The uh, Friday night, the night we got there, mm -hmm. uh, set up everything. It was really nice that day. And uh, that night, all of a sudden, about, I guess about 11 o'clock or something, 10 o'clock 10 maybe, um, you see the lightning coming and everything. <laughs> so we got in the tent there. Back down, down the hatches. And, yeah, pretty much everything. Okay, we're good for the night. And it came, and it was right over us. And the thunder was so loud and powerful. Like it just hitting you. Oh, wow. And it was just like, wow, that's, that's like, whoa, you know, <laughs> even Ariana was going like, yeah, that kind of scared me. Yeah. And then again on uh, Sunday night, um, another one came through. It was a lot of lightning. There was a couple big thunder booms yep. and stuff like that, but it was nothing like the Friday night. And we're sitting there and you know how you can hear the rain coming? Huh? Yeah. We're laying in the tent and all of a sudden you hear this mm -hmm. coming across and you go, oh, here it comes, here it comes. And it wasn't rain. It was wind. Yeah. And oh man, I thought we were going to lose our tarp. The tent was coming, like okay. being pushed right in. And the, it's a very sandy site. Uh. So all the wind is pushing the sand up and it's getting under the vestibule. Yeah. And all the sand's coming in through. The, the mesh. mesh of the tent. Bug screen. Oh, yeah. there's like, and it was hot and humid. Oh. So you're sitting there dripping in sweat and now you're covered in sand. Ah, oh, it no. was just great. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so sexy. <laughs> like, oh, it was oh, horrible. Oh, wow. Absolutely. You're sweating and you're covered in sand. Yeah. It's it like, oh. Nasty. 
absolutely nasty. <laughs> uh, but you know what? It, it is what it is. Everything held up. And mm-hmm. um, I have a, a big Kelty tarp, 16 foot okay. Kelty tarp. It's like the wing style yep. tarp. I only bring that if I'm not portaging. Mm-hmm. It's big. Oh, okay. We had that set up, and it had, I had probably the best setup of that tarp that I've ever had set up. Okay. And the wind just, no problem. It, it withheld the wind, kept our, we had, I stored gear in that under yeah. there, right? Kept it all dry, kept it all protected. Nice. No rain got in, didn't, it was beautiful. And you get up in the morning and you'd see the outline of this big wing <laughs> on the ground from the water and yeah. where it was all still dry sort of thing so and that's exactly it i mean you want something like that so if you get up in the morning yes and it's still raining you can get out of the tent exactly and you got somewhere yeah. dry to, yeah you don't want to be squatting down in the tent while it's raining yeah and... you're trying to make lunch or breakfast or something yeah. like that you got a place mm-hmm. to do it right um what else uh the good thing about thunderstorms okay happening at night is all the clouds start rolling in around sunset. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they make for beautiful yeah. sunset pictures. Absolutely stunning. Huh. The Friday night, and I don't know, I mean, it's got to be atmospheric conditions or whatever. Friday night, all the sunset pictures I took were like oranges and reds, okay, that yeah. sort of stuff. Sorry, that was Friday night. Sunday night, they were all like purples and blues and pinks. Oh, okay. Total, like, you, you huh. it was only two days separate. Two different storms. Yeah. But total different colors. Different atmospheric and conditions. At the, at, the stuff, same, yeah. at the same times of night. Hmm. It was really pretty cool. But yeah, the, the that's the one good thing about the storms. I was trying to set, you know, debating whether to set up the uh, camera to do lightning shots. But oh. it's all the sheet lightning. Yeah. Not the bolt lightning. So, so do you have equipment for that? Like to oh, yeah. capture, like, it, yeah. does it detect yeah. the flash and... Oh, no. Usually what I'll do is I, I got the different settings there. Well, some of them I'll sit there with my button Yeah. and press it at the same time as you see the flash sort of stuff. Oh, okay. That, that tends to work. Sort of get the after effect, the halo after effect yeah. or something. Um, and some of them you, you can play with the manual controls so that... You know, you can keep it extended option, or open the shutter. Yeah. And what you do is, you know, when the lightning's coming, you sort of time it, you know, counting between the thunder and all that sort of stuff. Okay, yeah. So, you know, okay, you know what? Lightning's going to happen any second now. So open your shutter. Damn, it goes. And then you close it mm-hmm. sort of thing and hope for the best. Huh. You know, I, I've gotten some decent shots that way. But you know what? At the end of the day, good time was had by all. Uh, we came out and... Only the big thing is it's a six-hour drive up, six-hour drive back. It's a long way up there, right? Yeah, yeah. And coming back, though, you know, you come you come across, well, it's it's like a 40-minute drive out of the park, down yeah. a big winding yeah, dirt know, road. Yeah, eh? yeah. And then you come out of the park, <clears throat> and then you got to go across to, to North Bay, and then south. Um, and all that is fine, beautiful traffic. It starts picking up in Huntsville. Yeah, you start getting you start getting the uh, a lot more traffic picking up the holiday traffic, the cottages, mm-hmm. all that sort exactly, of stuff. Exactly, yeah. And then you get down to Gravenhurst, where the big gasoline alley is, where all the gas stations and they're selling local fruits and vegetables in season, and the couple of restaurants that are there. So everybody's trying to get on, trying to get off, yeah. and a couple of highways join up, and from there all the way home, 
your one and a half hour drive turns into about two and a half hours. Yeah. And just the dumb drivers and stuff yeah. like that. And some of the things you see, you just shake your head. And so, <laughs> oh, but no, good time was had by all. And that's my last uh, f- um, single person or two person trip for the season with family. And now we're supposed to be going up to Tomogamy in August, but I think sort of the kibosh is put on that because with fires and yeah, stuff like exactly. that. And so I think we're going to do a staycation on that, maybe do a couple of day trips and stuff with the canoes and kayaks and one of Ariana's friends back from uh, Japan uh, visiting. So we'll probably take her out and do some canoeing and stuff like oh, that okay. or, and uh, whatnot. But yeah. But while we were up there. Okay. Book club. <laughs> Derek's book club has nothing to do with Derek because Derek doesn't read books. Derek's book club. Um, I I don't even know how it how I was I'd mentioning something to somebody at work about uh, the Franklin expedition. Yep. Uh, I think it was I was talking to him about the Banks Island because he's got a massive map of Canada on oh, his wall. Yeah, yeah. So I was saying you know Banks Island is where I want. I'd love to go up to Banks Island. Uh, you know that's my dream trip. Yeah. Spent a couple of weeks up there just canoeing and exploring and that sort of stuff. And that's where Franklin's ships were found. Uh, In the one, the Terror, right? Or the Terror Erebus? No, it was the... Uh, was the Erebus? The Terror and Erebus, they were Prince William Sound, which is further east. The one off of Banks Island is the Invincible, I think. No. Google that. Google that. I'll do that right now. Anyway, so while you're Googling. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was talking to him about that. And then he bought, brought me in a book that he had re- read about the Franklin Expedition. And then he had this other book, Frozen in Time, The Fate of the Franklin Expedition. So, okay, well, I'll read that one as well. Because, you know, now apparently I'm just all gung-ho about the Franklin Expedition. Yeah. So, <laughs> not really, but I think it's just cool. Uh, so, he brought this book in. And this this book is written by Owen Beatty and John Geiger. Owen Beatty is a professor of anthropology at the University of Alberta. And in the 80s, I guess he's started to check out some stuff about the Franklin Expedition. And, okay. You know, want to know what happened and stuff like that from the, the anthropological... Would that be the word? Anthropological aspect of it yes so as you're reading the book i mean the book starts with history of the area like the ships and the the expeditions that went over to discover because it was all to to look for the the northwest passage right so they talk about the different ships that went beforehand and you know what happened to them how many people died and how many you know they wintered over and then just made it back and you know, all the problems they faced and the, yep. the, the things and, you know, what they could do better and, and all that sort of stuff. And um, and this is long before Franklin's expedition. Yeah. Right? This is all of the stuff that's happening in the, you know, the different commanders and, the you know, the different ships that went and, you know, how many, you know, the, the, the sailors and what they went through and the difficulties and stuff. And then it gets into the Franklin expedition. And, you know, they, they they start to piece together what happened. Now, I don't want to give away too much of the book because you got to yeah. read it, right? And But there is stuff that, I mean, it's just 
common knowledge and stuff that they start looking at where the Franklin expedition went that they okay. know of. Yes. So you're thinking, okay, well, they, they had to winter over the one, one winter and the, they, they figured they're going to have to winter over a couple of winters and then they won't make it out for three years because a part of it with their expedition was to explore the area and yeah. map and stuff like that. So they weren't actually going to make it through to the Northwest Passage for three years. So they had the highest technology at the time of sh in their ships and stuff like that with heating and all that sort of stuff. Oh, okay. Um, and they started looking at, you know, what, what's going to happen and all of a sudden they just disappeared. So they sent all these search parties out to find them and they, they, they were talking to the Inuit and stuff and said, oh yeah, we saw this and we saw that. All the word of mouth stuff. Yeah, yeah. all the word of mouth stuff. And Oral people history. Were, were saying, oh, the Inuit were, were lying about stuff because they started talking the things about like cannibalism and all that sort of stuff. Oh, okay, right? yeah, yeah. So they said, well, they're not reliable and, and whatnot. Well, as they start piecing it together, this Owen Beatty starts piecing things together and following all these little leads that they've said over the years and stuff like that. And he starts finding things out and they end up at one point, um, exhuming the body of one of the Franklin soldiers that were, or sailors that were, okay, were yeah. buried, right? There's three of them that are buried, um, and preserved in ice, like oh, really yeah. well preserved. It's all like mummified and stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mummified big time. And he starts, because he had a theory on, on what the problem was. What actually caused it? Because you figure, well, they went up there and, you know, it had to be the, the ice. They couldn't get out of the ice, so they all froze. Right? And yep. in order to, th their only chance was to leave the ships and hopefully make it on foot. And they all froze to death. Oh. Right? Yeah. But they're finding that there was all these other issues that happened. All these people were getting sick and all this sort of stuff as well. A disease. Or what, yeah. What, what, and they couldn't figure out what was causing it all. So that's what his theory was, was what he thinks he knew what it, what it was. So that's why he had to go and get this, the body and stuff. And now I've only got a couple of pages left, but he's pretty much proven his theory with digging up this one guy, exhuming yeah. one body and stuff like that. All I can say, and it's not going to ruin it, but hopefully not ruin it, <laughs> is everything on all these expeditions where they were having all these unexplained things going on yeah. can be traced back to one guy who is supplying a certain item <laughs> for all these expeditions. Yes. And there, like I say, there, there's only so many things that they figured, you know what, we need to do this. We need to mm -hmm. do this. We need to do this on our expeditions to ensure the health of all our men. Yeah. But there was a one thing that they were doing that this one guy supplied. Yeah. That was just putting the kibosh on everything and technology at exactly. the time just didn't know yeah. it. So, and it's pretty cool. Just, and you're, you're thinking reading his book, like, no, no, no. And then you start reading and on and on and on. And you're like. Wow. <laughs> so it's definitely a pretty cool sort of thing. Yeah. What you're alluding to, I remember reading in uh, National Geographic, they yeah. talked about this issue on, on. Yeah. See, I never heard about it before. Oh, okay. Until I started reading this book and I'm getting into it. I'm going like, oh, 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 oh you may be onto something here. <laughs> yeah. And it sounds like he was. So, and I mean, he was doing this back in the mid eighties. Yes. Right. He was doing this. So, 
So yeah, if you're looking for a decent book to read, get a little bit of history in there, and then follow the, the what they did to prove his theory here. Uh, Frozen in Time, The Fate of the Franklin Expedition. Owen Beatty and John Geiger. Amazing true story of the doomed Arctic voyage and the secrets preserved in ice. It's a pretty cool book so far. And like I said, I've only got a few pages left, but that's Book Club. <laughs> Did you find the ship? HMS Investigator. Investigator, that's it. That's it. Um, yeah, so that's that's what we're talking about, all that sort of stuff. And Because he they were in search of Franklin. Yes. Yeah, so that's the Investigator and I can't remember the other one, but two ships went up. And uh, so the investigator wintered over off of Banks Island. Yeah. But they 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 were far far to the west because it's uh it's what is it Prince William Sound is where the Terror and the Erebus went down, which is further farther yeah east yeah yeah, yeah. so anyway that's that's book club. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so let's take a quick break here, and we're gonna come back with Food Club. <laughs> awesome. Going from let's book club it. to Food Club. Hi, this is Dirk Sprest. You're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. If you like what you've been hearing, you can find out more by checking us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page for our website, where all our podcasts are available for download or streaming. We love to hear from our listeners, so if you have a suggestion for the show or want to let us know how we're doing, please drop us a line. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton. Welcome back. We are going to do Food Club. <laughs> so there's a couple things that I like to take on trips, and every time I take it, everybody just loves it. So I figure, you know what? I'm going to throw it out there. Beef jerky and bannock. Ah, yes. Um, so my beef jerky I do at home. It's in, it's in a dehydrator. And the, the beauty about doing the podcast here is that you can download this, or you can stream it, and you can hit rewind mm-hmm. yes listen over so if you don't have a pen and paper handy right now listen back later listen back later with a pen and paper yeah hit a pause button at about minute 35 maybe uh what this is 25 26 27 yeah about the 30 minute mark somewhere yeah, yeah whatever somewhere around 27 minutes you'll find it so sean's beef jerky here's what you're going to need one pound round roast now if you get i know i always end up with a two pounder so i always yep. double my recipe sort mm-hmm. of thing but uh one pound round roast yeah. soy sauce worcestershire sauce ketchup pepper garlic powder onion salt and salt when okay. you when you gave me this recipe there was it uh three weeks ago i was surprised at how basic it was oh it's absolute basic how good it is yeah it's it's totally basic um there's nothing special about it it's just simple stuff, right? The only thing that surprised me is the ketchup. Why? It's got to be ketchup-y. <laughs> <laughs> but it's such a small amount of ketchup, you wouldn't think it would make any difference. Yeah, but I guess, you know. Um, so you get the one pound round roast. Yep. Four tablespoons of soy sauce. 
four tablespoons of a Worcestershire sauce, one tablespoon of ketchup, a quarter teaspoon of pepper, quarter teaspoon of garlic powder, quarter teaspoon of onion salt, and a half a teaspoon of salt. Because you need the salt in there, right? Yeah. Yes. Because that's all. Now, I did have a note on my thingy here. Four tablespoons. So when you're looking at the soy sauce, Worcestershire yeah. sauce and that, four tablespoons equals a quarter cup. Okay. So rather than doing four, yeah, ta- just get a quarter cup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I write myself notes on my uh, pages like that. So what you want to do is you get the round roast, remove as much fat as you can from the meat, and then put the meat in the freezer. Yes. For a while. When it's semi-frozen... If you're using a regular knife, it's, it's easier to cut. It's easier to cut consistently with the thick slices. The same size, yeah. Uh, and it's not all just mushing and moving around, yes. right? Now, I have the meat slicer, which is so much handier now because you just set the thickness and yeah. zip, 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 zip. And you are you got the same thickness of all the, all the meat, right? Yeah. Uh, you cut it between th- like anywhere from three-eighths of an inch to a quarter inch. Depending, I like the three eighths of an inch. It's just that little bit thinner. Okay. It dries when it, it dries faster when it's thinner. Yes. Right. So meat cut against the grain is going to be tender and break easily. Meat cut with the grain is going to be chewy. Yes. Yeah, because it it doesn't dehydrate as much as it should, and it stays a little bit leathery, thicker, and yeah. So that's you want to take that into account when you're mm-hmm. when you're cutting, right? Now, sometimes what I'll do is I'll cut the, if, especially if I get a bigger one, I'll cut it in half. Okay. And then I'll do one one way and one the other way. So yeah. you get a little bit of mixture. Mm-hmm. Anything, I like it I like it chewy because that way you can chew it and the um, juices, like the, the, the flavoring mixes with, the, with oh, your, your yeah, spit yeah, yeah. and whatnot, yeah, your saliva. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then you can just suck all that in and swallow it. And yeah. then you keep chewing it. <laughs> and there's more saliva. Oh, you're making it sound so delicious. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so you mix all the ingredients together. Now, I use, like, in, in a, I, I put them in a bowl. Use a whisk to make sure you get all the powders mixed yep. in with the liquids and stuff like that. I put all the cut-up meat in a, a big Ziploc bag. Yes. Then I poured it. Because a lot of people say, oh, just put the meat inside the, the bowl. With the, with the liquids, right? Yep. And then cover it and put it in the fridge. I put it in a Ziploc bag and then seal it, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a good thing. You can, otherwise, you know, there's a big open side. Yeah. But you seal it. And when then you lay it and you it's flat. And you can massage the meat through the bag. Yeah. And then, you know, a couple times when it's in the fridge, you can take it out, move it around and make sure everything's moving and mixing and whatnot, flatten it again and put it, lay it back into the, into the fridge, right? So you mix all the ingredients together, marinate the meat in the fridge overnight, but I have found no more than 24 hours. So if you, usually I'll put it together in the evening. Yeah. And then what I'll do is like early evening, and then what I'll do is in the morning before I go to work, I'll lay it out on the tray. Okay. Right? So that it dehydrates during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, yeah, because if you, if you keep it more than 24 hours, it's, it, it, I don't know, it breaks it down too it, much. It breaks the meat down too yeah. much, you know, with all the stuff that's in there. You want to lay the strips on the dehydrator trays. Make sure you don't overlap the strips. 
Yeah. They won't dehydrate properly. And you turn once while drying. So about halfway, if you figure about nine hours, 10 hours, you know, the five hour mark, flip them over, all the pieces over so that you're getting an even dry. Okay. I always, because I got four trays on my dehydrator, I will change the order of my trays as well. So the one at the top, I'll put it at the bottom because mine yeah. ha- mine just has an on-off button, mm-hmm. right? It's an Esco, it's just an older Esco. It's just got the on-off button. Um, so the heater, the fan and that's at the top. Mm-hmm. So I'll take the ones from the top, put them at the bottom, the trays at the bottom. Different heat. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. So I just, I just move them around as well after I flip them just to make sure everything's drying properly and the same. Yep. Depending on the dehydrator you have, it should take anywhere from nine to 12 hours. If you have one of the really fancy ones with a time temperature control, <laughs> everything, 145 degrees. Yeah. That's what you want to set it at. Uh, when it comes to doing it in the stove, I don't know. I'm not, not sure. I just. I've never done it in a stove. I know some people, they do it. You do it in the stove, you put it on minimum or something like that. Yeah. Those it goes and you put them on the, the trays and, and you keep the door open a little bit or something, prop it open a little bit or something just so that. Yeah, just keeps moving around right you don't want to cook the meat you want to dehydrate it yeah it's ready when it bends like a willow without breaking <laughs> that's when it when it's yeah. ready when you get that now you keep it in a cool dark place in a ziplock airtight container like i say i use ziplocks for everything the ziploc bags yeah uh i'll you know fill it all in there zip it up to a little bit suck all the air out roll it that sort of stuff and then put it up and I got an area I keep all my dehydrated stuff and whatnot yeah. for yeah. my trips and stuff. It is a simple recipe. Yeah. So simple. It's, but it's so, so simple good. and it's so good. I, now I try, I've actually tried this sort of the same recipe, but with Turkey. Oh, okay. God awful. Um, yeah, I just got some turkey breast and did everything exactly the same. Just the turkey just had this taste I just wasn't big on. Now, mind you, other people enjoyed it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, no yeah. count for taste. I also got the uh, 40 Creek whiskey barbecue sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I added some a couple of, a few tablespoons, uh, I think maybe like four tablespoons, five tablespoons of that in there as well. And mixed it all in. Yep. And, oh, that was good. That was good. So, I mean, experiment as well. But, I mean, this is the, the recipe I've been using for forever. And I know I've been, I was on one trip and some, uh, one of my buddies had um, venison jerky. Oh. And he's like, oh, I'll trade you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, to me now, I've been eating this forever. Yeah. So, uh, but I, if I put a bag of this out, it's gone. Yeah. Like when I take it on a trip and I'm like, hey, anybody well, want some jerky? Like that bag makes a couple of rounds and it's, yeah. it's empty. My kids don't normally go for the jerky so quickly or not. They'll try it and stuff. Yep. But this stuff, they just gobble it up. They're constantly getting into the bag and eating yeah. it. And so, and I've, I've done a, quite a few different recipes over the years with, uh, with my dehydrator. And uh, some of them are like convoluted and all kinds of oh, weird yeah. little additions, and not all of them really made that much sense. But uh, this one here, I, I was surprised at how simple the recipe yeah. is and how nicely they t- it turns out. Well, and see with the garlic powder, I yeah. make my own 
um, garlic powder. Oh, okay. Ro- I, you, yeah. I make roasted garlic powder. Mm-hmm. So you get the, the cloves of, of garlic. Yeah. Cut the tops off, put some sea salt and some onion or uh, some olive oil on it. Yeah. Cover it all with uh, just tin foil and you roast it. it in the oven. Yeah. And then you grind it up and you dehydrate it. Yeah. And then you grind it into powder, right? So I'll use mm-hmm. that in here, which adds that extra yeah. little bit. But I mean, just regular garlic powder as well works. Oh, yeah. You know, and yeah. it really does. I mean, you know, I'm just trying to be fancy schmancy. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my house smells like an Italian house when I make that stuff all the time. I have to do mine. Uh, I, I have to do it in the garage, so I can't smell it in the house. But oh, really? Just, the house reeks. I tried. I, when I did this recipe, I tried doing it. Uh, I put it on the side shelf of the barbecue outside. Yeah. So I went, put it out there, had it out there for about an hour. I went out to check, see how it was doing. A whole bunch of blowflies were f- swarming oh. the dehydrator, right? Yeah. It was just coming for the, the meat smell. It's like, no, no. <laughs> Dehydrated. <laughs> yeah, Beef de- and fly. Yeah, exactly. So I quickly put it in the garage. <laughs> What's that little extra bit that's in there? Oh, that's fly. <laughs> yeah. They're like little raisins. <laughs> Maybe what I'll do is, because we have that blog part of our uh, website, mm-hmm. which yeah. I don't think I've used since like, last year or for, yeah, forever yeah. Ever. so maybe what I'll do is I'll type this one up and I'll put it up there yeah so that people can just check it out yeah. um, in a few days the second item I bring is my bannock now I got a just a basic recipe ages ago when I was sort of incorporated okay. with a couple of their sort of deal two cups of flour two tablespoons of baking powder two tablespoons of sugar two pinches of salt and water that makes a big enough bannock patty yeah. or loaf or whatever you want. I call them patties because they look like a giant patty. <laughs> yeah. That's, that gives a good chunk for three people. When you're eating that with something like oh, dinner, yeah. Yeah. that's a good chunk for three people. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you know you're going to have more people or whatever, you just do the recipe. And same, same with the with the jerky. If you want more, if you got a bigger roast or whatever, you just double, triple, or whatever everything else is to make your marinade yeah. to... To cover right um i know when i do the jerky sometimes if it's a bigger roast i end up doing a two, double batch or do, something, a, yeah. two and a half batches or something like yeah. that right so my bannock that's it's as simple as that and then room temperature water i do a couple extra things though which is totally optional now the sugar is supposed to be your white sugar you put in your coffee sort of stuff put on your yep. cereal whatever i use brown sugar Oh yeah. Instead, it gives a, a just a little bit of a different taste. To, yeah. Right. Yeah. Just change it up a bit. I throw in a tablespoon of cinnamon. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Which yeah. I, I know other people That's have nice, done that yeah. as well. And I'll throw in a handful or more of raisins. Ah. Right. Now I've done it with blueberries as well. Okay. Throw some blueberries in there, that sort of thing. Whatever, like I say, if you're out there, because you, you you put the flour, baking powder, sugar, salt in a baggie. Yes. And if you're if you're adding cinnamon and raisins, whatever, you put them in a baggie. Then you, you know, seal it and whatnot. You throw it in your pack. And then whenever you're out there, you're going to make dinner, whip that out. You can make it right in the baggie. If blueberries are in season and you're out there, yep. pick a bunch of blueberries and throw them in. Mm-hmm. Right? It's perfect. And that blueberry bannock is good. Oh, I know. You know, yeah. you get that flavor yeah. going through and, and whatnot. So all you do is you just put the water and you got to put the water in slow. Like a little bit at a time because it goes from dry to soup like that. 
Like I've, I've done it some days. You're just thinking now, what am I going to do? It's like, now I got to add more powder and then you don't have any when you're out there. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, just a little bit of water at a time and you're sitting there. It's going to take a while till, till, you know, it's just like a, do the instant oatmeal. Yep. You put a couple of them in a, in your bowl. How much hot water do you add? A little bit at a time. Cause you don't want and to. Yeah. Eat, and then right? suddenly, Oh no, too much. Yeah. So you do that a little bit at a time and you knead it and knead it inside the baggie. And then eventually you can just turn it out into the pot. Yes. For your pan. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you, you, there's, this is where is whatever your circumstances are is how you can cook it. Now, if you got the fire, which is cool because yep. you know, we did this, this time. <laughs> yeah. And that's the yeah, thing with fire band. Yeah. Now what we can do if you, you make one big patty and put it in your pan with a yep. little bit of butter on the bottom of the pan so it doesn't stick. One big patty yeah. or a few smaller ones, because then you just pass everybody a small little patty of, yes. of bannock, right? Uh, you can cook it over your stove, cook it over your fire, um, baked in the reflector oven, which I think is the best, mm-hmm. right? And that's, that's what I did when uh, Trace and I were out, through the reflector oven next to the fire pit, put it in a, just press the dough into the pot, Yep. put it into, or the, the pan, put it in the reflector oven. Oh man, it was good. That's when there's no fire ban. Yeah, that's when there's no fire ban. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, just sticking your little whisper light stove in front of that. <laughs> yeah, not so good, eh? Not so good. And yeah, reflector oven, if you got it, is the best. Or if you get um, a couple of green sticks and prop them. Yeah, just. You know, cook it over the fire, yeah. drape it over or wrap it around like, mm-hmm. you know, a, a giant string of. Yeah. of dough and mm-hmm. wrap it around the stick sort of steel. Just make sure you're you're turning it, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, there's different different ways to cook it. Uh, serve it warm. When I'm doing it in the pan, I do like the, you know, when you bake a cake, you put the toothpick in the middle. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'll put yeah. like a little sticker, a knife or something like that. And as long as stuff's not coming out on the knife or yeah. whatever, it's done. You flip it over. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take all that long when you're cooking over a, um, a stove, that sort yeah. of thing. Serve it warm. If you got butter, jam, honey, whatever, put on there. And like I said, if you got blueberries, throw them in there yep. before cooking. Superstition and tradition, however, okay. and this is important. Is it? Very important. Superstition slash tradition states you should never cut bannock. It's bad luck. <laughs> you should always rip it. I cut mine. Oh, bad luck. <laughs> Absolutely bad luck. Yeah, no, I, I, I've heard that for like years and yeah. years and years. You never, I don't know if it was like, you know what, you're ripping it and you're handing it to somebody, yeah. you know, like, here you go from me to you. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's what it is, but. The breaking that's, of bread. Yeah. You know, that's sort of the, the sort of the deal. Yeah. Mind you, there have been times where it's been so damn hot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're sitting there, I think I'll just cut this. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, but yeah, that's one of the traditions. Always mm-hmm. break. Always break it, rip it in half or, you know, into thirds or quarters, whatever, yeah. right? Uh, and that is my bannock, right? Again, simple. What's your preferred way to cook it? Like you talked about it in the pan, you talked about it on a stick. What do you prefer? In a pan in the reflector oven. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, that just seems to be because it, it, it takes a nice mm-hmm. and slow. Nice even cooking. Even You're cooking. Not burning it. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, this week, uh, weekend, Ariana and I did it. We did chili with nice. bannock. Cool. And, um, of course you get the chili takes no time at all to cook. Right. Yeah. So you do the bannock first mm-hmm. and then as it's, I find when you're cooking over the stove, 
like like I've got the MSR uh, Whisper Light. Okay. When I cook over top of that on um, in the pan, it forms a bit of a thicker crust. Oh, so yeah, it's yeah. basically I could cut that thing lengthwise in half, yeah. and I could end up with two flat patties. Yeah, like if you like look like two little cakes, yeah. right? Exactly. I can scoop out all the the bannock from the inside and be left with this thin crusty bowl, uh-huh. which I could then fill with chili. <laughs> <laughs> so I I don't like that. So yeah, if you catch it, it's so it's not burning, but it's just creating a hot a, yeah. a hard crust on the outside. And I find when you do it on the on the propane stove or the gas stove hungry. or whatever, that's what it does. <laughs> I got no food, uh, so I, that's not why I'm, I'm not big on doing it that way. Yeah. In the reflector oven, you don't worry about that. In the over the fire pit, you can control how high it is to, Distance, the, to yeah. that as well. Yeah. And I think that's what's doing it. Is there's I, too much? I've done it wrapped around sticks. Yeah. And it, I find that uh, unless you have like a fork stick, it just turns and. Yeah. Whatever, and and I've I've also I've done it in the pan, I've done it in the uh, reflector oven. Right. And uh, an interesting way I tried it is I basically made pancakes. I just found a flat rock from the from the fire pit and rubbed it off so it was clean. I just made like almost like. Oh, if you got a really hot hot rock. Yeah. Yeah. And just put the rock right over top of the fire. Yeah. And it's like making pancakes or something. When it's close to the heat and stuff, you you'd be surprised how fast it cooks. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. But the big trick of it all is adding the water. Yes. You don't want and to add that too is, much. that uh, is, I don't know how yeah. many times I'm like, okay, yeah, you know what, I'll just give. Now, the original recipe that I started with like many, many, many okay. years ago, they were saying add a teaspoon at a time. That's painful. And it's like, oh my God, you got to be kidding, <laughs> right? And then, so you, you start to, after a few times of doing that, you're saying, okay, you know what, I can add like a few, because you know how much. You know, I make this. I make one of these every time I go. Okay. So I know. Okay, you know, what? I got to add this much and knead it, and then I'll add some more, and then I'll knead it, and then I'll add some more and knead it, and then it's like, okay, at that point, yeah, that's getting pretty good, and then I can turn it out. Yeah. Onto the pan and finish, you know, forming it and mixing it and that sort of stuff to make sure all the powders all incorporated and stuff like that, and you got a nice dough. But that is the trickiest part, and that's the part where everybody screws up. Mm-hmm. Is you adding, adding, adding the water. water. Yeah, and you can't take the water out. And unless you've <laughs> no. got another package of, of Bannock powder sitting there waiting. Yeah, you're, you're, you're SOL. Yeah. So <laughs> so that is Food Club. Uh, I'm hungry now. So my Bannock and beef jerky, I will put those up on our blog post on our yeah. Facebook page at some point. And uh, yeah, everybody can check them out, download them, and give them a whirl and let us know how it goes. Um, we talk about ticks usually yeah. in the spring. We we try not to hammer on it too much, but we give updates. Yeah. Well, our latest update, a potentially fatal new tick species spreads into the seven U.S. states. The eastern longhorn tick landed in New Jersey last winter, apparently. I was uh, on gearjunkie.com and uh, a couple days ago they posted this. That, uh, yeah, there's a new tick. The eastern longhorn tick yeah. starting to spread across uh, the eastern side of the United States. What do they? What do they call? Hey, 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 longicornis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the East East Asian you call it the East Asian longhorn, longhorn tick. tick. It's a longhorn tick. Yeah. There you go. Um, 
what did they say? Land of New Jersey last winter, winter. They immediately recognized the threat, better known as the Longhorn Tick, East Asian Tick, or Bush Tick in Australia. Now, it's fitting that it comes from Australia because everybody knows everything in Australia is out to kill you. <laughs> Tiny parasite can carry a potentially fatal virus. Now, they say they they found a bunch of them on sheep. Oh, okay. Right? That's how they, they found that they were there. And they're they're trying to eradicate it and everything like that, and prevent the spread. But after you know the first after New Jersey, then all of a sudden they found that it was in six more states: New York, Virginia, West Virginia, Arkansas, spreading North super Carolina, fast. Uh, and now Pennsylvania. Huh. Right. So it's a nuisance, they say, for ranchers and farmers. You know, a, a significant threat to human and animal health, and. There's a fatal disease. Specifically, authorities warn longhorn ticks carry a virus known as SFTS, or severe fever with thrombocytopenia syndrome. <laughs> That's a mouthful. Hmm. An alarming health crisis in South Korea in 2013, 16 of 35, or 46%, confirmed cases proved fatal. That's staggeringly high. It's almost half the people that get it died. Mm-hmm. So incubates in just two, one to two weeks can cause fever, vomiting, bleeding, neurological disorders, and potentially death. The biggest part about this, currently no effective treatment. Yeah. So if you get it, <laughs> you get it. Yeah. Now... The Longhorn Tick's capacity to virtually clone itself. This is... This was the scary part for me. It's I like, think this is just what? Mother Nature getting back at yeah, us. Yeah, I know. You know, she's slowly come out with these things going, okay, well, if they're going to do this, well, I'll give them this. Right? Yep. So, females can lay fertilized eggs that hatch into near-identical female copies. And this contributes to the tick's rapid prog progression through the United States. So basically, one tick is all that's needed to start a whole population. That's crazy. Right? What is that? Asexual, I guess? I yeah. Worms are like that, yeah. right? Yeah. So one tick to start a population, and they can grow into high numbers quickly. Experts have also noted none of the ticks in the U.S. have yet tested positive for SFTS. And that's a good thing. Which is a good sign, uh, especially with everybody that's outsized. But they say, hey, you know what? Still be vigilant. Because not only are these out there, but still the other, like the black-legged uh, ticks with the Lyme carry, that carry the Lyme, Lyme disease, disease and yeah. that sort of stuff yeah. are still out there. So It's just, it's, a, it's oh, like, man, man, there's another one. Where's the, what there's was the... another one. Uh, Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever? Nah, what was the Texas one? Oh, the... Uh, uh, Lawton. They call that because it has a star-like symbol. Well, it's, yes, no, it's got the sort of semblance to the uh, state of Texas on yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but that one turns you vegetarian and this one, <laughs> this one just out no kills you. Yeah. So man. yeah, they're out there, man. They're, they're out there. But fortunately this, the, uh, the, the fever thrombocyte of whatever, anyways, the, the, the <laughs> thing that'll kill you, it's, uh, fortunately like they're, they're only detecting it in like South Korea and places like that. So it, yeah, I, I guess you need to have an affected tick, infected tick to actually spread on to the offspring. I would think so. I mean, if if you've got one that's not carrying the disease, yeah, and it comes over here, then yeah, 
Is it something that mutates within it's them? Scary. Eh? Or do they got to pick it up somewhere? Yeah, I don't know. I don't right. Know. And if they got to pick it up somewhere, yeah. hopefully there's nowhere here that they can pick it up. Anyway, that's enough of that because that's just that's just <laughs> that's ooey. scary. This is like the fourth conversation I've had in the last few days about ticks. Oh yeah, ticks and blood suckers. <laughs> yeah, this the ooh factor. Yeah. Uh, last thing on our agenda today: headlamps. Ah yes. I need new one. <laughs> Both my headlamps. Yeah. Uh, eight to ten years old. They've been tossed around, dropped, banged off of things abused yeah <laughs> camping know. is hard on gear yeah one has a loose wire and if you turn your head the wrong way the light shuts off huh. you know like <laughs> it's just one of those things second one is old the screw holding the battery pack cover oh, okay. on yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know is is loose and when it comes loose the batteries start to move so all of a sudden your your bright headlamp starts going bzzz, gets really dull that sort of thing so I'm looking for recommendations on a new headlamp, two new headlamps. So I'm going to put a little thing on uh, our Facebook page. And if people want to chime in, yep. uh, I'm just going to say, hey, give us your recommendations for headlamps. What do you use? Uh, what uh, do you, have you seen out there that's pretty cool? That might be a good headlamp yep. to use. And uh, if you have a link to your headlamps, that you that you prefer and you find are, are helpful, uh, throw them into the the comment section. Only criteria I have with a headlamp, yeah, one that fits my fat head. Uh, <laughs> it's got a bright light. Like I like yep. a really bright light at nights. Mm -hmm. um, just because I take people camping and mm -hmm. backcountry canoe tripping okay. and stuff, and sometimes they're you know they're not too happy with. Uh, being out in the middle of the night and going to the bathroom, like, you know, got to go head to the Thunderbox or something. So I'm like to have them yeah. get, make sure I've got a, a really bright light to give them. Yeah. Uh, double or triple A batteries on the back. So like either on the back of the head or on the back of the light itself. Cause I've seen those ones that have the wire that goes down to your belt buckle or your, your uh, belt. That's just little complicated. Pack. Like, I don't want something like yeah. that. And maybe two brightness settings. Like mm -hmm. a really bright one and then a mild one for close-in sort of thing. If you're reading Yeah, a like a battery-saving mode, like a not-so-bright, yeah. but then when you're off doing something that you need more light, yeah, exactly, you can crank it up. Yeah, I don't need anything massively massive, um, you know, SOS to the stars and, <laughs> you know, 15 colors, <laughs> disco ball. Take down airplanes. Yeah. This is your disco ball setting. It's <laughs> a case, you know, because things happen at the camp campsite, right? So, yeah, I'm going to put a post on Facebook where people can post uh, what they recommend yeah. and what they use. Paste a link from your favorite ones and uh, if you have them and help me choose a couple new headlamps because i got a couple more trips coming up and I'm going to need uh, at least one. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, some of them get pricey, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And I think that's about all I got this week. That's about it, man. Well, I was just going to admit, I was trying to find uh, the headlamp that I have that I, I got it at MEC, and I have three of them now, and it's really good. It's super bright, but uh, they, apparently they don't carry it anymore. Yeah, I've got it's, a couple a, of old Petzels. Yeah, that's a, mine's a Petzel, but it's yeah. uh, it's got a uh, a lens, so you can it's a flood, or you open the lens and it uh, is a beam, but it's uh, it's got like three different settings plus a high beam setting and. It's it's a really nice uh, headlamp. Yeah, mine 
the the one I, re- I really liked, which has the battery pack yeah. cover, is going is uh it's got two settings. Okay. It's got one really bright center light, mm-hmm. and then it's got two smaller ones to the side. Oh, okay. Yeah, which yeah. you know yeah. it's great if you're reading a book or doing something close. Mm-hmm. But then if you want to look across the lake, you can throw that other one off, sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and see who's who's twenty miles away. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm looking at. So, so yeah, keep a check out at, yeah. at our Facebook page, Paddling Adventures Radio, and uh, chime in if you have a have a favorite uh, headlamp. And I think that's about it. Yeah. Anything else to add this week? Uh, no, I I was just I'm just going over some of these. Uh, you know, you can get uh, 500 lumens and up on headlamps now. Oh yeah. Oh cow. And and uh, with the LED technology, it's uh, getting pretty. It's becoming super cheap. Yeah, we're oh yeah, talking big time. like 80, 90 bucks for a 500 lumen headlamp. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, Petzl and Fenix. There's some really good uh, names here for these lamps. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I've always bought mine at uh, Mountain Equipment Co-op. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so I'll have to go check them out. So, if you got nothing to add this week. I do not. Then I think, oh, you know what? What's that? This week's show has been brought to you by Brock Street Brewing <laughs> Company. <laughs> yes. What is this? Uh, they're blonde. Yep. Which is a, a good one. And the... Irish red. Irish red. The Irish red was good. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. You need to buy more of that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us on paddlingadventuresradio.com. And again, I'll be putting these recipes up on our uh, blog page there. Got yep. it. We got it. We might as well use it. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Anywhere else? I think that's about it. I think that's it. Yeah, I think those are all the social media thingies. Mm-hmm. You can find our episodes on iTunes or Google Play, Player FM. And you can find them on our Paddling Adventures radio website under the Episodes tab, where you can find all 130 episodes now. <laughs> 130, yes. man. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> I see you way too much. <laughs> yep, I agree. <laughs> I'd like to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. I'll see you next time.